Greetings, strange Hyrule warriors. You can call me James, uh, for that is the current alias that I have assumed. (laughs) (laughs) And I still have the entire Encanto soundtrack stuck in my head. It's a problem. Preach, girl. (laughs) But it's me, your best friend, Emma, and you're listening to the show that we call, for some reason... That strange podcast. (laughs) It's unknown. This week, I'm taking you to jail. That's right. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You are mine for the next two years to life. That's right. Now, what did you do to end up in jail? What happened in court to get you such a comically strange sentence? Do I even have the authority to place you under arrest? All great questions, and all of which I will gladly answer later. Right now, though... I'm placing you under arrest. And later on, I'm breaking you out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, I I said it. I'm breaking them out. Shawshank style. To bring everyone a strange tale of Synanon. The weirdest cult in the entire world. So stay tuned to find out what led to this. Where we just like get around, drink some like blue milk yeah drink some blue milk and kind of just you know lightsaber duel chit chat yeah but like foam lightsabers i'm not crazy not the hard plastic ones Ooh, we could play laser tag yeah on that lovely note what do you say we get this kiki started officially i say hell yeah let's do it i'm ready Welcome, welcome, welcome to the queerest little corner of the universe. Ooh, I like it. I also like to call it the devil's anus. Uh, Synonyms. (laughs) It's just fun to say. (laughs) Uh, As you can tell, silly as ever. Silly is our brand. We're doing it every week. It's what you get with three cups of coffee. Mm Mm-hmm. It's our blue light special. <laughs> Kmart. <laughs> Kmart. Are they still in bit? No, they're not. No, no, no. Okay. No. Well, that makes me feel old. So as always, you know, I mean, I think uh, our, everyone's just come to expect uh, that we're going to talk about Drag Race. So let's talk about Drag Race. <laughs> we have a top five. Yeah. That in and of itself is pretty strange, right? I love yeah. it. I love it. Jackie it's- Cox is somewhere irate. Okay. Now she should have been in the top. But we, we, we won't talk. We're here to talk about season 14, girl. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to get into so, that. So <laughs> we have the reunion next week, and that doesn't matter. I think it matters. Well, it's this week. Sorry. My bad. Yeah, it's, it's not. <sighs> There's going to be no drama, no scandal. <laughs> then we go to the finale. Like, when did a reunion mean before the end? I thought, <laughs> right? I thought literally, like, you have your show, or whatever, and then there's the reunion. Like, when you go to a high school reunion, it's not during your junior year. No, it's after the end. <laughs> exactly. Ah, um, okay, what what team? What team are you? Okay. You a team? Forgive me, Bosco, for I have sinned. <laughs> I'm Team Lady Camden now. Same, same. That finale look in the last competitive episode. Oh, yeah. It was to die for. It just, it all came together so perfectly. and It it did. I'm a track record whore, and she has the best track record. Yeah, and honestly, I would would argue that even if she didn't, girl, most well-rounded queen on the cast this season. And that's saying a lot, because they're all amazing. Yes, and I think we'll be getting a finale format change-up. I'm sure. Top five instead of top four. You can't lip sync for the crown with that. No, it's but <laughs> I don't want to watch that. Not really. Speaking of things I don't want to watch, um, that Killing Eve finale. I don't know if y'all watch Killing Eve, but you know. Hi, thanks. I'm traumatized. Yeah. If you were ever thinking, oh, I want to give Killing Eve a chance, you know, it's it's really good, and then it's not. Read the Villanelle novels instead. Yeah, honestly. Way uh, happier ending. <laughs> Which is sad. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, oh, my God. You mentioned it in Kanto. Okay, so we are well behind the curve and well aware of that. But it's like I was so hesitant to give it a chance because I have such a high bar for animated movies. And you're a picky movie watcher. Yes. And I was like, is it as good <laughs> as everyone says? It can't be. But it is. It's better. See? No, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I, I'm not even, like, into... You know, I'm not big into animated movies, but oh my god, it's I so loved good. it. Oh gosh, I loved it. It was so cute. It really was. It really was. Um, yeah. And honestly, be be aware that if you do watch it, the entire soundtrack will be stuck in your head. You're going to be walking around singing how we don't talk about Bruno. You know, actually, that's another thing. What does Disney have against people named Bruno? Oh, yeah. Between Luca and Encanto, I, I'd i like to mm-hmm. know. We don't talk about Bruno. Silencio Bruno. Let's get down to that. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. In a future episode, we're going to get the hard-hitting <laughs> details. That of, what Disney has against Bruno. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but no, really, uh, stay tuned in general for the show, because we have a lot of really exciting stuff coming up. Maybe a few collaborations. Uh, maybe mini-sodes. Who knows? Who knows what we're going to do? Uh, well, but exciting we changes coming up. Well, not changes, but additions. Yeah, exciting stuff. A lot of exciting stuff. So stay tuned for that. And also, stay tuned for the rest of the show. Oh, yeah. That, too. Yeah. Well, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, it is time for the mail. The mail. The mail. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for the men of N. <laughs> okay. It really is, though. Um, and I want to start this story off a little differently, okay? So I want to start by asking you some questions. Okay. Yeah. So first, what would you do if you're out at the bar, right? Um, or club or <laughs> wherever you go, whatever, whatever. Maybe it's just a quick trip to the store. Anyway, let's say some guy starts harassing you, right? What are you doing? I mean, like, me personally, I would tell them to stop. Yeah, yeah, the good call. I mean, <laughs> that's, yeah, that is what, you know, that's a good thing to do. It's a great idea. Um, it's a great place to start, right? Right. Well, let's imagine in this scenario... The man continues to call you names, and then he actually escalates the situation and begins physically touching you. Okay. It's not just that he's harassing you, right? He's also using hateful slurs towards you. The kind of words that I'm not going to say on this podcast. What now? What what do you do now? Well, I mean, at this point, it's starting to sound like it's a safety issue, and... I need to get out of there. That's a really, really good point. And um, I couldn't agree more. So you decide to leave early in this situation. You cancel your trip and all of that. It sucks, sure. Uh, but it does beat being harassed to within an inch of your sanity or worse. Definitely. Also, mm-hmm. this is relatable. This kind of shit happens... More than y'all would think, just so everyone is aware. Yeah, yeah. On It really does. Now, as you're walking to your car, you can see your car. Let's say not 10 feet away in the parking lot. Okay. You hear the bar door close behind you, right? Now, when you look back, you realize that your worst fears are suddenly materializing right before your eyes. The man who had been harassing you in the bar is now walking across the parking lot, Right towards you. You struggle to get to your car in time, right? But the man reaches you before you can reach your car. You turn around and he's gaining on you. Now what do you do? Okay. Well, first of all, I'm grabbing my keys and hoping to get in that car and get away as soon as possible. And I'm also probably checking to see if I have anything on me to, you know, like... Protect myself in case he attacks, like mm. pepper spray or something. Oh, yeah. No, and it's, uh, I always carry pepper spray. I'm not afraid to admit it. I do it. I know you do. It's, yeah. um, 
You got to be careful. Um, and that's exactly what I would do. I mean, the best thing is obviously to just avoid confrontation when you can. Uh, especially when someone's acting particularly reckless, maybe they're drunk, maybe they're in other ways inebriated, you know, like this creepy man that I've hypothetically created clearly is. For sure. Now, before you can get your keys and um, get to your car and get inside and get going, he suddenly punches you in the face. Now what do you do? Well, I mean, that... Like, now it comes down to fight or flight for me. Mm -hmm. The goal is always to get away and not escalate, like, just for safety's sake. Exactly. Like, um, thank you, by the way, (laughs) for indulging me in this line of questioning. Oh, sure thing. I swear I have a point. (laughs) (laughs) So what if I told you that you couldn't get away, but you do have a Swiss army knife, let's say, and you have it with you in your pocket? What then do you do? Oh, This man's still coming at you. Oh, this is He doesn't tough. have a weapon, let's say, but you do fear for your own life. This is really tough. I I feel like I'm going to give the wrong answer. Oh. No, the, there is no wrong answer. I promise this isn't a, <laughs> this is not a trick question. Um okay, so let's make this even easier. This guy is now threatening to beat you up fully. He's like fully in a boxing stance. And like, you know, like, hey, I'm ready to go. Uh, Bring it. I'm going to try and run. Right. Uh, but this guy won't let you run. And when he does, he chases you down or gets closer to you. He's clearly wanting a fight of some kind at this point. And remember, he punched you in the face already and you ran away. You've got a black eye. Let's say you can't feel your nose. Do you throw a punch? Okay, first of all, I don't think I'm strong enough to get anywhere with my fist. Blame it on the moans. <laughs> right. Well, that's actually a that's actually a really good point, and it's true. <laughs> so your back's against the wall. You're a human in full fight or flight mode. You're someone who's been beaten down and harassed all night now. In a last resort scenario, would you use your your Swiss Army, your makeshift weapon against him, your pepper spray, your whatever you had. Okay, I would want to avoid that. Yeah. But I think in this scenario, there's a certain amount of instinct that would be involved. Like, Mm -hmm. we all have a basic need to survive. Right, exactly. I mean... Yeah, even those of us who wouldn't hurt a fly, as they say, um, those of us who literally cry for hours when we accidentally hit an animal on the road, that's me, um, you know, when we're backed into a corner like that, um, and it's life and death, though, we go right into survival mode, right? Right, right. Yeah. Um, And it's actually an evolutionary blessing in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it's probably the reason we're all here today, if you think about it, uh, simply because our ancestors put survival first. Yeah, for sure. The good news, right, is that we know there are laws that are there to protect us against the ramifications of having to hurt someone, right? Uh, especially, you know, when we have to hurt someone for our own protection. Right. Uh, bottom line, if someone is putting your life in danger... Uh, laws give you the right to attack in self-defense. However, it's also not that cut and dry. Different states have different laws regarding self-defense, which really muddies the waters. There's the so-called stand-your-ground laws uh, that we've seen pop up in states like Florida, Mississippi, and Ohio. Ohio's a stand-your-ground state? Yeah. Um, I also did not know that, so don't feel bad. Um, I... There are actually a total of 38 states that are currently considered stand-your-ground states, and uh, Puerto Rico as well, on top of that. Wow. Yeah. Um, Actually, one of the more interesting things I discovered is that more um, notoriously liberal states, like Washington, uh, Colorado, and uh, even California, are actually considered stand-your-ground states. Wait, what? Yeah. No No way. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. Um, I swear, four M&Ms. I know, you're looking at me like you don't believe me, but it's true. Uh, 
they have slightly different variations on it. Uh, the biggest difference between other states' self-defense laws and stand your ground, though, is the duty to retreat, which... <laughs> duty. <laughs> duty. We've always got a ha or two for duty. <laughs> duty is important. My duty is my duty. <laughs> and you take that shit seriously. The chick's serious. <laughs> oh, literally. So let's talk a little bit about the duty to retreat. So as it may sound, a duty to retreat means that the person that is being actively harassed, uh, attacked, or threatened, or whatever, has not only an obligation, but an actual legal requirement to run away from whatever threat there is. So the burden is on the victim to get away? That is correct. From what I understand. Yeah. So let me get this straight. If I'm walking down the street and my fucking ghost face jumps out of, (laughs) I don't know, a fucking hardware store with like a giant hunting knife. He do like to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's trying to kill me and shit. I can't just pull out my Glock and waste them. Um, I I think that that might have, you know, some extenuating circumstances. But that also sounds like a question for a lawyer or, you know, a paralegal or even a librarian or I don't know, someone else but me. (laughs) (laughs) I would assume that you would be okay in that situation because, like, um... You know, it's a serial killer and everyone knows about it. But honestly, I'd get a lawyer just in case. So you're telling me that Sidney Prescott and Gail Weathers would have been, like, arrested. (laughs) Can you picture that? (laughs) What a bummer of an ending. Literally. (laughs) You've been arrested for killing a serial killer. You Um, didn't run away. (laughs) How dare you? You have a duty to retreat, Sidney. (laughs) So, I, I I think everyone, no, I don't think in that instance they'd be arrested. But anyway, um, here's the thing about the states that have duty to retreat laws. There are four basic elements that are involved when you're talking about self-defense, d- defenses, self-defense defenses? Yeah. <laughs> that sounded <laughs> wrong. Um, anyway, um, so the four elements are, one. The other person must be showing aggressive behavior towards you. Two, you must have a, quote, actual belief that bodily harm or danger is imminent. Three, it must be absolutely clear that the danger is unavoidable. And four, you have to have, quote, grounds for this, quote, actual belief that you have that harm is unavoidable in this situation can i just yeah. what the fuck how yeah. how do you prove that you have grounds for a fucking belief right 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 unless you have literally every witness agreeing like you have a bunch of witnesses and they all agree with your story and they all saw what happened uh it's like asking what grounds you have for believing and you know literally whatever you believe in like there is inherently, I think, a level of subjectivity. For sure. Like, involved. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you believe you're endangered, like, how the fuck would you prove it exactly? Right, though. Like, do you have to be, uh, I don't know, like, actively bleeding or being transported to a hospital to prove you're in danger? <laughs> you know, it's actually very interesting that you bring that up. Um, go ahead and hold on to that. Because I would like to now take the time to introduce to you our MVP of the story, if you will, Miss Cece McDonald. Cece McDonald was born on May 26, 1989 in Chicago, but by 2011 she was living in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, so she's basically our age and she's a Gemini. Yes! Oh, is she a Gemini? Yeah. I didn't know that. I love that you know that, okay? Like, it's amazing. (laughs) Can you also read my tarot? I mean, I got the cards. I, I got the cards. Let's go. <laughs> we should do that. I want you to read my tarot one of the one, one of these weeks. Let's finish the this show. recording and go. No, I want it, I want them to hear it. Will that ruin the tarot reading? 
No. I don't know how tarot works. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, C.C. McDonald, uh, 1989, Chicago. Um, by 2011, she was uh, living in Minneapolis. Uh, C.C. had a reputation amongst her friends for being the type of girl that essentially made sure her friends had everything they needed. Oh. Uh, yeah. Now, this quote is from one of her uh, friends and roommates. Um, quote, if I am hungry, she will bring me something to eat. If I don't have no clothes, no shoes, she will buy it. Okay, so she's a literal angel. Yes. In many ways, that's how I... <laughs> I mean, try and convince me otherwise. Good luck. <laughs> um so not two weeks after her 22nd birthday in 2011, Cece, an openly trans woman, was spending the day with her chosen family. Okay, so you're just going to drop that we're doing a trans woman story this week. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> now, earlier in the day, they reportedly had a nice outdoor barbecue, which sounds lovely. Um, and by nighttime, they were hanging out together Quote, chillin', drinking, smoking. Nothing. That sounds like a great day in yeah. a queer oasis. It really does, doesn't it? I, <laughs> I had the same thought. Like, okay, that's just, I mean, that sounds like fun. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Um, now, later that night, Cece and her chosen family were out walking down the sidewalks of Minneapolis. Now, Cece and her friends were out at midnight walking through the city. Now, they weren't bar hopping or partying like so many people their age might be. They were simply going to the nearby grocery store together. That is so wholesome and cute. The walk from their apartment to the Cub Foods was only about a half a mile. It should have been a relatively short trip. Um, the trip started off, however, on an extremely ominous note. Shortly after beginning their walk to the store... Cece and her friends were suddenly blinded by a bright spotlight aimed directly at them. Then they heard the all-too-familiar sound of an authoritative voice demanding them to explain what they are, quote, doing out here. One of Cece's friends responds like, what do you mean, what are we doing out here? Uh, quote, we're just going to get something to eat. The officer backed down but continued to follow the group for a few minutes after the exchange. Eventually, the officer drove away, and Cece McDonald and her friends continued walking towards the grocery store. And they go to the grocery store and go home, and everything's fine. The end. If only. As they are passing the Schooner Tavern in the Longfellow neighborhood of Minneapolis, the group is interrupted again, this time by catcalling from a group of four cis straight highly inebriated white folks who had apparently noticed Cece and her friends as they were standing outside of the bar having a smoke. It's always four cis straight highly inebriated white folks. I know. Why is that? Why is that? Oh. Like, if someone could explain that to me <laughs> in a way that makes sense, I would love that. Same. Um, For reasons that can um, literally only be explained by racism and queerphobia, the group then decided to start making derogatory comments towards Cece and her friends. Though what they said exactly has sort of, you know, gotten lost in the um, escalation of it all and poor memory. It started with making comments about how members of Cece's groups, uh, how they were dressed how they were walking and without getting into the details it was all queerphobic i again i know we're not going into the details right. but this shit is so common and it's disgusting mm -hmm. we can do better as a society we, and that's sh we should be doing better absolutely and we'll get there but um it was at this point that the group of angry white folks decided to think they decided to escalate things a little further. Now, they began using slurs that I certainly won't repeat. But for reference, they really hit all the notes that you're currently thinking, and probably then some. So at this point, I want to focus on the members of the angry white group, 
that were just smoking outside of the schooner tavern. You might say, why would I waste time on these bullshit assholes? I was just going to (laughs) ask. I know you too well. Um, It's important to the story. You'll see. So you've got 47-year-old Dean Schmitz, right? He's exactly what you're picturing. Oh, yeah. And you've got his ex-girlfriend, Molly Flaherty. Flaherty? Flaherty? Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Normal names, every one of them. Flaherty? Flaherty? I'm making an ass of myself. (laughs) It's the effort that counts. We're just going to call her Molly. Molly. Okay. Yeah. So then you you have Dean Schmitz, Molly. You also have Jenny Thorson, who was actually Dean's current girlfriend at the time. So he's hanging out with his current girlfriend and his ex-girlfriend? That is correct. Very classy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's one of them classy beer classy drinking. Guys. Got oh. his truck and his oh, women. Yeah. I'm gonna drive fast <laughs> and turn to the left sometimes. Very that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Jenny Thorson, uh, Dean's current girlfriend, and then uh, eventually Molly's current boyfriend, a man named David Crandell, comes outside and enters the scuffle. So you've got. You got boyfriends, ex-boyfriends, uh, girlfriends, ex-girlfriends. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, Jesus. It's a lot of white noise. According to reports, there was a lot of back and forth between the two groups, with one hurling, you know, queerphobic insults and the other trying to get them to back off. Oh, imagine that. I know. Crazy, right? Um, both sides are accused of threatening each other, but it's all really murky. Um, you know, in these situations, uh, half the people tend to remember things one way and the other half remembers it another way. Mm-hmm. What is clear is that things escalated rapidly when Molly suddenly grabbed a thick, heavy bar glass, um, and she actually hit Cece McDonald in the face after shouting that she would take all of them on. Now, in the process, the glass shattered and caused a large wound to Cece's face that would require 11 stitches to close. Jesus, it's like kick her out at that point. Yeah, that's another good uh, layer to this story. It must have happened so fast because I'm sitting here thinking, why hasn't the bar management stepped in and stopped? this exactly why haven't the police been called so many questions and not enough answers it goes without saying that things have obviously gotten way out of hand at this point like out of pocket yeah as cc and her friends uh they're in shock over what's happening but they're also trying to defend themselves against further attacks from molly schmitz and the rest of their group Remember, Molly had threatened all of them, and they had all been antagonizing them the whole time. Now that uh, Molly has caused this gruesome and potentially deadly wound to Cece's head, the goal is to protect their group. But I think it's also understandable that they were very angry and um, also defending their friend. Uh, It's human nature. Um... And especially when that friend is really more of a family member. Absolutely. Right. So both sides are fighting, but Dean Schmitz, for some reason, sets his eyes specifically on Cece McDonald, and only Cece. I mean, I think I know why. Hmm. Yeah, he's not protecting his group. You know, if he were, he'd be getting Molly out of danger. He'd be getting Jenny out of danger. He'd be getting... The other guy out of danger, even. Instead, though, Dean starts shoving Cece again and again, and then he enters what is described as a boxing pose. That just sounds so lame. Well, only because it is. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, he's he's got his legs bearing into the concrete, you know? He's, like, ready to go. And in that situation, that would be intimidating. Yeah. Um, absolutely. How could you not be intimidated by that? Um, I'm, and the thing is, he's literally getting ready to beat her up and say, you know, he's saying, I'm going to beat you up. And she's just trying to walk away still. Uh, the problem is Schmitz pursues her pretty relentlessly. 
until, um, in a panic, Cece fished through her purse, finally decided to stop and turn around. She luckily found a pair of fabric scissors in her bag, and eventually she waves the scissors at her perpetrator as a warning. Fair enough. Like, hey, I've got these. Yeah, like, I need you to stop, or else I have no choice. It seems fair, given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Now, Schmitz finds this humorous and responds by ag- antagonizing her further, asking Cece, Oh, are you really going to stab me? I can do it better. <laughs> you really going to stab me? Are you really going <laughs> to stab me? Don't pay me no never mind. I'm just passing through. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, he's literally like antagonizing her. Like, you're not going to stab me. You're not going to stab me. She warns him that she will. Her life is in danger and she will if she has, has to. You know, I objectively, after all, I, I think we all agree her life is in danger. Absolutely. Schmitz continues towards her, lunging to fight her. And from Cece's description, it was very much a situation in which, you know, she was holding steady to her scissors, hoping that they would, you know, create this barrier, essentially. Like, when you're in that mode, you think, you know, I'm just going to hold this here, and I'm going to hold it firm, and I'm going to hold yeah. something. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And um, I'm sure Schmitz, like he said, didn't really take her seriously that um, she would defend herself. If he continued to attack. But before Cece could process anything, she felt the blades of the scissors against his chest as they pierced his flesh. Now, she didn't want to stab him, but he just wouldn't back off. Now, after the stabbing, Schmitz reportedly yelled, quote, You stabbed me! To which Cece replied, quote, Yes, I did. And I think it's safe to say... First of all, before we pass too much judgment anyway, they were both in a state of shock, you know? Uh, here's Schmitz, who obviously can't believe that he's been stabbed. But then there's Cece, who can't believe that this drunk queer phobe took things so far that she was put in this position in which she literally had to fight for her life when she just wanted to go to the grocery store. It was not how the night was supposed to go for anyone she was put in this unfortunate position and she, I don't think she's to blame in this situation at all. No, I agree with you. I, I think harassment is harassment and, and like you have this overbearing Hulk of a man coming down on you. Like what's she supposed to do? Exactly. And that's um, the first real tragedy here really is that, um, she was put in this position. This was not a person who was violent in any way. Exactly. Um, and like I mentioned with the, you know, when you hit an animal on the road, I, I see Cece as this type of person and how traumatic it must have been for her. Absolutely. Especially with like how much she helps her friends and family. Like, I just don't see her as this violent aggressor. No. No, no. As Schmitz collapsed from the fatal wound, Cece and one of her friends ran to the Cub Foods, which is ironically where they were initially headed in the first place, which was right across the street, or down the street. Um, And they waited there together for the cops to arrive. As soon as they arrived at the Cub Foods, Cece waved the police down and told them the story of what had just happened. So she's immediately just being perfectly honest and forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Fully honest, forthcoming, cooperative. Props to her. Absolutely. In that state of shock, I don't. I, I don't even know that I'd be able to speak. Same. That's why. I'm, that's why I'm just so impressed because it's like she's not only speaking; she's recounting everything. Yeah, and she's there with her friend who's helping her um, and making her feel safer. No matter which way you spin it, it, it is tragic that someone lost their life. But I argue this. Dean Schmitz was dead set on making sure that someone was going to go down that night. But it backfired on him. What seems to me like a cut-and-dry case of self-defense 
didn't exactly appear the same to the police for some reason. They immediately arrested Cece McDonald that night and charged her with first-degree intentional murder while they were at it. What? You heard me. Well, that's not where I was expecting this to go. As Cece and her lawyers are preparing to go to court and defend her actions, a lot of information about this Dean Shits comes to light. <laughs> yeah, you heard me right. I'm calling him Dean Shits. It seems right. <laughs> and so what, what's this tea? What, like, what's the tea, Christine? So it turns out that Shits had been implicated in over two dozen criminal cases for, quote, felonies for theft, burglary, and attempted sale of a controlled substance. I knew he was trash. Drag him, mama. Additionally, Schmitz had been convicted of both felony assault and domestic assault in prior lately. Uh, uh. Yeah. Okay, so mega trash. Yeah. Now, on top of the unbelievably horrifying record of extreme crimes, the toxicology report is also released, and it revealed that Schmitz... <laughs> had a very high level of alcohol in his system, but on top of it, they also found methamphetamine, multiple opiates, and traces of cocaine. Oh, chill. Right, like, typical Saturday, right? <laughs> uh, um, oh, yeah, here's the fun one. Uh, just a couple more interesting finds about shits. Schmitz, shits. <laughs> <laughs> I can't decide. He had a tattoo on his back that said outlaw. Oh my god. Uh-huh. And oh, are you ready? And another on his chest, this one of a swastika. Are you joking? I wish. I'm do- I'm all came out. I'm frazzled. Cece and her attorneys never denied that she stabbed Schmitz. So there was no doubt about the act itself. The question then became, well, was it self-defense? And did Cece do the right thing? Or should she have done more to avoid harm to her attacker? Are we really... Well, mm -hmm, we're going there. The answer to that question, uh, yeah, to me is pretty obvious. Uh, But I guess it is subjective because... At first, the prosecution, you know, they go for that first-degree intentional murder. How? They, you know... I know. I wish I had an answer. While the prosecution wanted that first-degree intentional murder charge, Cece refused to plead guilty. After all, you know, she did not intentionally kill this man. Now, Cece had confessed to stabbing Dean Schmitz right after being arrested. And this was something that she would later regret because in a surprising twist, it actually came out later uh, out of Cece's mouth that she was, quote, trying to cover up for one of my friends who actually did it. I didn't know exactly who, but I knew someone was defending me. It is just twist after twist. Yeah, so after all of this, there's a strong chance that Cece wasn't even the one to do it. But then she's still the one charged. That's correct. Now, after the prosecution realizes they're not going to get anywhere with this first degree intentional murder, there are just too many hanging chads, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) They then try to charge Cece with two counts of second degree murder. Two counts for one person? Mm, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Moving on. Uh, yeah, the justice system was not seeing this case as self-defense. Um, I would say their biggest weapon was that confession that is disputed by Cece. Um, believe it or not, though, the prosecution uh, had the upper hand because, well, the judge was... You guessed it, an old, white, cis, straight male from Minnesota. And uh, he decided that certain things would not be admissible, and other things would. Among the things that were inadmissible, 
Schmitz's uh, swastika tattoo, his prior convictions for assault, and any testimony from experts about transphobia. They would all not be allowed in this judge's courtroom. Those are all crucial things to this case. Exactly. So once again, they're putting Cece in a corner. Um, now, the judge also added to his rules that there would be there were there there was to be no um, onlookers in the courtroom wearing free CC t-shirts. And we'll talk about that in a sec. And he also, on top of it all, ruled that the toxicology expert could not testify to the specific effects of meth and coke on Schmitz himself that night, but rather they could only talk about the general effects that things like coke and methamphetamine might have on a person, generally speaking. Um, um, Okay, I... Did I step into the twilight zone? Yes, that's what this show is for. Do 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 do. This is insane. As the trial against Cece McDonald was gearing up to start, a wave of support for her was coming in from all over. As it should. Amen. Now, as I mentioned, the free CC. Uh, Shirts with the phrase, Free Cece, were made and worn by protesters, and Cece's case uh, began attracting attention from all sorts of media outlets. Uh, One person particularly affected by Cece's story was someone named Laverne Cox. Ever heard of her? Vaguely. Just a little bit? Just kidding. She's my fucking hero. (laughs) At the time, Laverne Cox was working on a new TV show for Netflix called Orange is the New Black. Have you ever heard of that? A little bit. (laughs) I know, right? Well, Laverne Cox participated actively in the Free CC movement and actually made a documentary about CC's story called Free CC. So as this case was getting closer and closer to trial, the prosecution was becoming less and less sure of their case against CC McDonald. In the court of public opinion, one thing was pretty clear. Cece made a tough choice that night, but it's what humans do when backed into a corner. We do our best to survive. Absolutely. The day before the trial was set to begin, a plea bargain was offered. Instead of second-degree murder, Cece would be charged with the lesser crime of second-degree manslaughter. Just the one count. And Cece would not have to accept culpability in Schmitz's death or admit to his murder. But she would have to admit on record to, quote, criminal negligence. However, the compromise would mean that McDonald would have to relinquish her claims of self-defense in this case and pay restitution for Schmitz's funeral expenses. No, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this deal might not sound so good. And, uh, well, that's because it isn't. Uh, And I should also add right now, uh, while Molly Flaherty, 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 Hurdy Gurdy, whatever it is, (laughs) it doesn't matter. While Molly was quickly and quietly charged with assault and sentenced to only six months, Cece was facing, currently, a rough trial ahead. She had a strict judge, like I said, who sided with the prosecution before the trial even started. And it's in a cut-and-dry self-defense case that is already being twisted somehow into a case of Cece not performing that duty to retreat that I mentioned earlier. So, it ultimately came down to this, for Cece. Did she want to go through the pain of a lengthy trial, facing the possibility of an even longer sentence when the odds are stacked against her as a trans woman of color in Minneapolis? Or did she want to just get the whole thing over with, accept a sentence of three years and some change, and get it over with? Well, Cece accepted the plea bargain, and... At her sentencing hearing, this is what she had to say. Quote, 
I'm sure that to Dean's family, he was a loving, caring person. But that is not what I saw that night. I saw a racist, transphobic, narcissistic bigot who did not have any regard for my friends and I. Cece McDonald, after facing all of this and accepting a plea bargain just in the hopes that it will go away and she can go back to a normal life, she was told that she would be serving her three-and-a-half-year sentence in a men's prison. Excuse me? Yes. That is abhorrent. I don't even want to get into how they decided that, because it's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. I already am pr- and, pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was gross. It was disgusting. She never should have had to spend her time in a men's prison. The reason we segregate prisons is for safety. Yeah, and, and this uh, is the opposite of safety. Exactly. Though many activists tried and tried to protest her unlawful imprisonment in an all-male prison, they were unsuccessful in getting her moved to a women's correctional facility in the state of Minnesota. So she had to serve her whole time there. Yes. The good news here, um, petitioners were actually able to convince the state to guarantee Cece's right to her medically necessary hormonal medications. At least there's that. It's a small victory. It's a necessary victory. It is. Um, The only good thing about her having to serve her time in the all-male prison and all of that, uh, she actually served a lot of her time in solitary confinement for her, quote, protection. As Cece recalled it, she was able to get some alone time because... She was being held separate. Um, And don't worry, she did have a TV. That's something. I mean, I know that's like literally the smallest, lowest bar I could ever ask for. But that's that's where Cece found solace in watching E! Network and getting to know herself better. I love that she was able to find these silver linings and like having Mm -hmm. access to her hormones and... Uh, watching the E! Network, of all things. Like, right, right. It, it just shows what a beautiful person she is. Mm-hmm. I think so strong. I mean... Resilient. Like, obviously. She's amazing. Absolutely. Now, after serving two-thirds of her sentence, Cece was eventually released after only 19 months. I say only 19 months, but that is a long time. Um, And she was released on parole in 2014 um, and was given uh, credit for time served and for good behavior. She didn't, you know, she had no issues in jail. She didn't cause any issues. Of course she didn't because she's a fucking angel. Exactly. In the end, Cece McDonald, like all of us, was counting on justice to be blind. It's what we've all been promised since birth. The system let her down. Like it all too often does, and like it all too often does specifically for vulnerable minority groups. However, C.C. McDonald found a light in the dark. As countless people from all over outstretched our arms and asked, how can we help? C.C. McDonald continues to advocate for the LGBTQ plus community, for people of color, and for repairing the broken justice system in America. Cece knows it's easy to be bitter and depressed living in a world in which this kind of injustice uh, can take place and actually takes place all too often. But in Cece's own words, quote, It's easy, especially for a person who's been through so much, to be a cruel and cold-hearted person. I chose not to be. If more people know the name Cece McDonald because of this, even if it's one or two, I will forever, eternally be content with that. You did the damn thing, Africa. Well, thank thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, stay tuned for my enlightening tale of Synanon. 
You know you don't want to miss it. Was that cinnamon? <laughs> so, James Athey. Don't tell them my full name. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. So, James Afer. James Afer. It's an alias, so it's fine. I'll let it go. James Afer. Have you heard about Synanon? Again, are you saying cinnamon? Are you are you trying to say cinnamon? Or is it synonym? Because I often have that issue where I'm like going to say synonym and I say synonym. Wait. No, I go to say cinnamon. No, so drag me. But no, it's actually synonym. Synonym. Yes. And like, it's a cult. It's a cult. Our first cult. Is this our first cult? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. Wow. That's crazy. Honestly, you'd think 22 episodes now, we'd have a cult. First one. Shit, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You want to know more? Yeah, we were lacking in cults. Now I need to to know more. So, ask and ye shall receive. So, Synanon was originally established as a drug rehab program by one Charles Diedrich in 1958 in Santa Monica, California. Okay, well, this doesn't sound so bad. Right? Just a little drug rehab. How does a drug rehab become a cult? That's my question. Glad you asked. It was normal for a couple years. But by the 1960s, Synanon had become an alternative community that was centered on these group truth-telling sessions. Truth-telling sessions? Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, you just get around and you tell the truth to each other? Wouldn't that be nice? Well, that actually sounds lovely. I mean, okay, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Can we start a TSP truth-telling circle? Or is that too culty? Too culty. Is that too culty? And you'll understand why. Okay, okay. Never mind. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Sorry. No, sorry, everybody. Sorry, everybody. So, what goes on at these truth-telling sessions? They're known as the game. Ooh. Okay, that just suddenly, like, you could literally feel (laughs) the ominous tone, the fog come in the room, everything in this room just shifted. Okay. The game (laughs) sounds like, uh, like, uh, I'm just picturing that game where they, like, just, the most dangerous game. Oh, it is. That book where they run around and kill people. It was a form of attack therapy. Attack therapy? Yeah. Now, attack therapy is a highly confrontational interaction between fellow patients and group therapy, in which patients may be verbally abused, denounced, or humiliated by the therapist. Are these real therapists? Yes. Like licensed therapists? Yes, that were hired by Synanon. Wow. And these, the game... Yeah. These truth-telling sessions were like the cornerstone of Synanon. Okay, so how does the truth-telling turn into the game? That's what it is. But what what happens? Is it just, like, how like, do you win the game or lose the game? Uh, I guess if you can't handle it, you lose. So this is not like Squid Game in any way? No. Okay. Well, now that we cleared that up... <laughs> Like, I guess the more verbal abuse you can take, the better your chances of winning. So the game slash truth telling is just everybody gets together and a bunch of therapists tell you you're a piece of shit. And worthless. And 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 maybe they like even physically, were they physically assaulting them? Yes. Oh my God. And this is, and it's considered a breakthrough. Okay. It's a breakthrough if you can take it. Oh, okay. It sounds great, right? Well, it sounds like Fight Club. We don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> so this group then goes on to become known as the Church of Synanon <sighs> in the 1970s. Of, co- of course it did. Of course it did. And you know the whole time they're continuing the game. Obviously. And well, What else are they doing right, now? And practices of taking LSD. I was going to say, you know, <laughs> I knew there was a moment. Cults always escalate. It starts at one thing, and then they escalate, and before you know it, they're up in the sky doing LSD. Oh, oh, we've got escalation coming. An escalator? Oh, and escalators, That's yes. cults. They're literally just riding an escalator to <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> so, Charles, the guy who founded Synanon was weird. 
so weird that he had a favorite phrase for his he called them disciples and he greeted them every day saying today is the first day of the rest of your life oh where did he get that but it's like every day can't be the first day no come on charles no grammatically that makes no sense i know what you're saying but grammatically no (laughs) (laughs) and his weirdness didn't stop there you might be wondering where does the name Synanon come from? Yeah, because it kind of sounds like Sinners Anonymous. Like, you go to, like oh, I'm going to a Synanon meeting tonight, you know. Very <laughs> that. <laughs> so stupid. So according to Charles himself, yeah. he, quote, invented the word. Okay. It's sure. a portmanteau of mm-hmm. sin, which means together, and anon, which means the unknown. So they were the unknown together? Or yeah. whatever? Yeah. Okay. Very dumb. Yeah, it doesn't even make sense, but okay. Work. And, and Synanon, while doing all of this nonsense, also develops a business that sells promotional items, generating roughly $10 million a year. Oh, my. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. For a cult. Oh. So... Charles and therapists are gaining control over their members using the game, Mm -hmm. which, as I said before, was presented as a therapy technique. But when you break it down, it's really a form of social control. Right. And that's, you know, like a certain set of rules and guidelines that keep members of the society in check. But not necessarily in a good way. You dig. (laughs) You dig. (laughs) (laughs) So in the 70s, using this social control, women in Synanon were forced to shave their heads. Was there a reason for that? Uh, None that I could find. I I mean, doesn't matter, I guess, but huh. And men were given forced vasectomies. Whoa, okay. Married couples were made to break up and take new partners. Oh, okay. Well, what was the basis? Again, like, no basis. Would they like, was there any rhyme or reason to how they were breaking these people up? To no rhyme or reason to any of it, dude. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and the real kicker, pregnant women were even forced to have abortions. Wow. Again, no reason. I ain't got nothing to say about that. Yeah, for my own benefit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, thinking it can't get weirder. It probably can. I'm Most things, when I think they can't get weirder, they just skyrocket through the roof with craziness. We're going to skyrocket to space. Oh, God. Because now George Lucas Yay! gets involved. What? Yes. Okay, now I'm back. <laughs> You've got me back on board. I will join almost any cult. Is there a cult of George Lucas? Oh, I'm sure if you look hard enough, there's a cult for everything. I could do that. I could join like a Star Wars cult. But it it had to be like a a light cult where we just like get around, drink some like... Blue milk. Yeah, drink some blue milk and kind of just, you know... Lightsaber duel. Chit chat. Yeah, but like foam lightsabers. I'm not crazy. Not the hard plastic ones. Ooh, we could play laser tag. Yes. We'll just be like really lame LARPers. Winning. Like really, we won't use costumes or anything. Well, I kind of want the costumes. Well, who can afford those costumes? If I'm not dressing up as Princess Leia, there is not a point to this. Now I have to go dress up. We should go laser tagging dressed up as Star Wars characters. I call Chewie. I call Princess Leia. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. We have it sold. Oh, we need an R2. If anyone's out there that would like to be our R2 slash also Han Solo, we are now taking applications. We're just going to play laser tag. Yeah. It'd be really cool. We're adults. (laughs) Clearly. Uh, Oh, yeah. George Lucas. Well, yeah, you got me distracted. See, that's what happens. (laughs) You can't bring up Star Wars and expect me to follow. The time George Lucas (laughs) got involved in the Synanon cult. Cinnamon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cinnamon. 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 I love Cinnamon. Same. 
actually so, don't. You know, I really don't like Cinnabon. They smell good. Yeah. George Lucas needed extras with shaved heads for an upcoming movie that was called THX 1138. I know that movie. I knew you would. I had never <laughs> heard of it. So where do you think he hired these extras from? I'm just going to guess he went to Cinnabon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm calling them Cinnabon. But correct. He hired yeah. extras from Cinnanon in 1970. Really? Yes. And they are Was it in the, the film. For the shaved head? The, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't have words. Exactly. The, I mean, it, it's kind of cool. Now, you might be wondering, Emma, how does one get into Synanon? Oh, I actually wasn't. But I. now that you mention it, I would love to hear how one gets into Cinnabon. Cinnamon. Cinnabon. Cinnabon. Cinnamon. Synonyms? I cannot say that like on a real name. Synanon. Synanon. It requires a strong mm-hmm. initial commitment. Does that mean sacrifice or donation? Open to interpretation. I was going to say, it usually (laughs) means one of the two. So, newcomers are first interviewed by leadership to gain entrance. Okay. New members are then forced to quit using drugs cold turkey, going through withdrawal for their first few days in the program. I've seen a lot of cults that do that stuff. It's really um, unsettling. It is unsettling. Now, it gets weirder. Mm-hmm. For the first 90 days in the community, members were expected to cease all contact with outside friends and family. Yeah. Actually, that sounds about right, you know, for a cult. You don't want, if you're a cult, you don't want, you know, people. Outsiders. Right, but you would think you would want the word getting out. Right, like, like it, word of mouth. Right, if your cult is so great, then why would you be afraid of people finding out about it? You'd have more members. Exactly. It's branding. Mm. Branding 101. Make an Instagram <laughs> post about it. Use hashtags. Hashtag cult. Hello. <laughs> it's a hashtag. Use it. Now... During the first decade of its existence, Synanon members were in one to two year programs. But after the transition to an alternate community in 1968, what do you think happened? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The program changed into a lifetime rehabilitation program. So Mm. you guessed it. Members could never leave. Okay. No, that actually makes sense. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> it turned into a, a ballet club. Yo, <laughs> we could all be so lucky. Now, the... Do I call it mystical? Yeah, mystical. The mystical Synanon mm. finally disbanded mm-hmm. in 1991. Okay. Due to members being convicted of criminal activities, including attempted murder, tax fraud, destruction of evidence, and terrorism. Holy shit. It's just some light, casual stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, I'm surprised they lasted that long. I don't know, like 30 years. That's terrifying. Okay. Oh, and one weird final note. Uh Uh-huh. There's still a functioning branch of Synanon. Shut up. Get out. Don't. Get, your Uber's here. What is going on? <laughs> yeah. No, there is not. Yeah, it's located in Germany, and it still uh, takes new members in the year 2022. Uh, You're welcome. Has it changed, or is it the same? No, it is exactly the same. I guess I'm moving to Germany. <laughs> Can't wait. You heard it here, folks. God, that's horrifying. But yeah, if you're interested in Synanon, uh Germany looks real good to you right now. Yeah, apparently they're recruiting for I don't know what. But what? <laughs> I don't get how a cult gets shut down and then continues. In Ugh. another country. I... That's how it continues. <laughs> You've left me speechless. Yay! Now that I have my voice back, it's time for me to unfortunately start winding this shit down. Um, as always, we hope you're enjoying this little experiment, and we wish the best for all of you. Um, 
as we do wind the show down, I just want to ask you to please, please hit that like, subscribe, you know, follow, download, whatever button it is. Please click it wherever you're listening to us now. And feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at That Strange Podcast and on Shitter at That Strange Pod. <laughs> Shitter. <laughs> Are you on Shitter? Oh, always. <laughs> um, in addition to that, you can also send in your story, comment, concern, whatnot, by passing us a note at That Strange Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also send us a voice message by visiting our anchor page where you can also support the show if you are so inclined. Uh, by the way, all of these links can be found in the episode descriptions, so it's nice and easy to find. Yes. And with that, this is That Strange Podcast asking you to look after one another and to be kind to each other. It isn't difficult. No, we're not shooting Avatar 3. Or six Two, or three, whatever. Four, five, six. Just like be nice. Yeah. It's not rocket science. It's not even science. It's just kindness. Being a human. Yeah. yeah. This episode of That Strange Podcast was brought to you proudly in part by Emily in Paris. N- not that Emily in Paris. I'm actually talking about my friend Emily. She's currently studying abroad in Paris and she's just, you know, been such an enormous supporter of the show and honestly a great friend. You know, she's supported me personally. Basically what I'm saying is that she has a tremendous amount of money. And that's honestly only a very small reason for our friendship. I mean, sure, she's a little problematic and definitely a gaslighter, kind of a bit of a Karen, but hey, she got money, girl. Thanks, Emily in Paris. This is for you.